Let's pray. God, thank you for the time we get to spend reading your word. And um, I just pray that we'd be encouraged by the truth. Um, a lot of times we get derailed by things that are not true and we start to believe them and then just just goes down from there. So I pray that you can uh, recalibrate us, redirect us uh, from this passage, God, and that um, we would be encouraged knowing what it is that we inherited as your children and um, all the thing, all that that entails. Amen. Chapter 11. Uh, okay, so we're in John and we're going through this series, the I am statements, all these things that Jesus said, I am. Any of y'all remember any of them that we've done already? <laughs> I didn't mean to put y'all on the spot. Clint? Oh, thanks, man. Uh, bread of life. Good. Light of the world. Gate. Good shepherd. And now we're on resurrection and the life. I'm not going to go through them all uh, because like you, I they're just not right there at the forefront of my mind right now. So... Anyways, but hopefully we are realizing that Jesus is not just one thing, he's many things. And um, today we're going to go over one of them. So, if you have your Bible open, John 11. I want to start out with a question. Uh, we all have a beginning and an end, right? Y'all are going to have to interact with me because I'm not just going to sit here and talk for like 30 minutes. Come on, talk with me. Right? Or at least we, for the most part, we do. The passage in that Jesus says that we're teaching from is verse 25. He says, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? What do you think, Scott? I see you thinking, man. What are you thinking? Tell me what you're thinking. This is open. This is not like a lecture in a big university or anything. We're just hanging out here talking about God's scripture. Were you thinking something? I don't know. It looked like you were. Maybe you weren't. Okay. He's just laughing. All right. My mind got a little bit distracted. Okay. So everyone has a beginning. Donnie, when was your beginning? What day was that? Oh, see. Oh, see. He's all reading in between the lines. Too smart. When were you born? Born again. <laughs> Don't make this hard, guys. Jody, when were you born? March twenty-sixth. Y'all are y'all are making it hard on me. March twenty-sixth. So that was your beginning. When is your end? No, okay, trick question. That was a trick question. <laughs> you shouldn't know that one. Okay. So let me write this on the board. We don't have a PowerPoint. Let's let this be your beginning. Okay. And then your life's going on, la da 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 da. And then let's let this be. Okay. <laughs> so yeah, this is our life right here, beginning, and then it's got an end. But what's the name for this, Jody? Where it's got like on the math on, on the graph, where it's got a, the points. What kind of finite points or, or initial endpoints? Endpoints limits. Listen, to all these math degree people in here. Convergence. 
<laughs> it's definite, right? Definite. Definitive? Definite means but, a, a starting and an end as opposed to indefinite. But as I read, thanks, Joey, as I read what Jesus said, I'm the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Something happens here in our life. Donnie was making it hard for me, but Donnie was talking about this part right here when he believed. Can y'all see that? Can y'all see the dot? Let's say he believed right here. Let's say this line is Jesus. Jesus intersected Donnie's life right about there. When was that? I don't know. You can tell me now. 2009. That was a definite date. Okay? And Jesus, he always was, and he always will be. He's not like us. He didn't have a beginning and, and an end like we do. But something about this statement that Jesus makes changes. Changes something really big for us. It's, it really, if we're not, if we don't see this in our lives, uh, we're missing out on a lot. We're going to go through a few, there's like 60 verses in chapter 11. We're not doing that. Okay, we're going through just right there to where Jesus says that. Um, I'm not going to focus on Lazarus's death per se, but there are three interactions that Jesus has with three groups of people or three different groups of people in the first 25 verses. And I want to kind of look at those responses that they give to Jesus and just consider them like uh, how we relate to them. Okay. I think it's going to help. Are you with me? Are you with me, Scott? First you're laughing. Now you look confused. Okay. Tell me if y'all aren't following along or if you have a question or if I said something that doesn't make sense. Okay. Promise. All right. So, verse 1, Now a certain man was sick, Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary, and her sister Martha. Uh, when you got sick back then, you were a lot closer to your end. You see this right here? You didn't go, he didn't have uh, Martha go to Walgreens to pick up antibiotics and Gatorade, okay? Back then, when you got sick, you were a lot closer to your end. Keep that in mind. So, I don't know how serious it was, but it was serious enough. Verse 2, it was that Mary who anointed the Lord with fragrant oil and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. Verse 3, therefore, the sisters sent to him, saying, Lord... Behold, he whom you love is sick. It's serious enough to send someone to go tell Jesus that he's sick. It's that serious. You follow me? He whom you love. When Jesus heard that, he said, This sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Now, let me pull up my notes. I've got notes everywhere. Just give me a second.
Okay. So I asked y'all if everyone has a beginning and an end, but it does everyone really have a beginning and an end based on this? Maybe I haven't explained enough, but Andrew's getting it. When Jesus intersects your life and you receive him, you no longer technically have an end. Jesus said, even if you die, you'll live. And whoever lives and believes in me will never, die. you could say, die. So if you've placed your faith in Christ, do you have an end anymore? According to what, where I'm going with this. No. You no longer have an end. You follow me? So there, like I said, there's three responses that are given in chapter 11. And so the first one is in the context of suffering or sickness. Okay? Can you relate? Have you ever suffered? Has anyone you loved ever suffered or been sick? And what does Jesus do? Verse 5, now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So what does he do? When he heard that he was sick, he stayed two more days in the place where he was. I'm not going to go verse by verse all in order. We're going to kind of jump around. Lazarus dies. Spoiler alert. Okay, if you haven't heard this story before, but he dies. So you're like, well, why did Jesus... Let that happen. If he loved him, right? Doesn't it seem like if, doesn't it seem counterintuitive that when you, if you love somebody, you would go by their side, help them, save them, right? What you thinking, Andrew? Well, we read that the sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God may be glorified through it. So, God already, or Jesus already knew that the death of Elijah was his plan. Nice. It's part of his plan. And what was the whole purpose of all this? So that they would see God's glory, that God would be glorified. That the Son would be glorified in the Father. The very first response is in the context of suffering, okay? Present tense. Present pain of suffering. And you call for help. Jesus, he whom you love is sick. And sometimes Jesus, God, makes you wait. Do we like to wait? How do we do with waiting? We have an issue that we think if something's wrong with me and God is good, then he should come and take care of my problem right away. If you have kids or if you know little ones, one of the best ways for them to understand something or learn something 
is by not always coming to the rescue for them. Can you relate? I don't have everything in order, guys. I'm going to be jumping around and going back and forth. So the first one is present tense pain and suffering, calling out to God for help. Sometimes he makes you wait. As we keep reading, let's see what happens. Then, verse 7, after this, he said to his disciples, let us go to Judea again. And the disciples said to him, Rabbi, lately the Jews sought to stone you. And are you going there again? Now this is future tense suffering. They're anticipating danger, suffering, death. You with me? It's not a good idea, Jesus. Questioning God. If he should follow through with his plan. I don't think that's a good idea, Jesus. It's not safe. So this is what Jesus says. Jesus answered, Are there not twelve hours in the day? If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble, because he sees the light of this world. But if one walks in the night, he stumbles, because the light is not in him. What's he saying? There's 12 hours in the day. And if anyone walks in the day, he doesn't stumble. Do y'all remember when we did uh, The Light of the World? Do you remember what he said? <coughs> I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. He's revisiting the same analogy that he used just a little while ago, that he's the light. It just so happens he has 12 disciples. I don't know if that's where he was going with this, but there is a designated time to do God's work. There's 12 hours in the day, right? And if you're walking in the day, you won't stumble. If you walk at night, you might stumble. But if his disciples are with him, following him, working with him, their efforts are in Him, in the light. They don't need to worry. There might be suffering. There might be conflict. They might want to stone Jesus and His disciples. I don't know. But so far as you're doing your work in Christ, your efforts are in Christ, And also that you realize there's a designated time, guys. We do have a certain amount of time here. It's 12 hours in the day, and there is a, we're running out of time to do our work here. You follow me? There's a designated time to get work done. And you don't have to be afraid if you think there's going to be suffering. If God is putting a calling on your heart to serve somehow, well, I don't know any callings he's putting on your heart personally, but you're afraid because you might fail, because you might suffer, because there might be conflict, because you don't have the resources, because you don't know how to do what he's calling you to do. 
So if you're in him, you don't have to worry. You won't stumble. He's with you. But your efforts, your work, need to be in him, not outside of him. That would be like walking in the dark. You follow me? So that's future tense. The first one with Lazarus and Martha and Mary, they're presently experiencing suffering and pain. The disciples, they're foreseeing suffering and pain, possibly death. They're questioning God. Lazarus, Lazarus, Martha, and Mary are having to wait. And God is not at the snap of a finger making their suffering going away, go, making their suffering go away. With his disciples, they're foreseeing the suffering, and he's saying, Don't worry, as long as you're in me, your efforts are in me, in the light, you'll be all right. One more. And then I'll kind of kind of go back and show you a theme here. Uh, verse 11, these things he said, and after that he said to them, Our friend Lazarus sleeps, but I go that I may wake him. They're thinking, oh, good, he's just asleep. Verse 12, then his disciples said, Lord, if he sleeps, he'll get well. However, Jesus spoke of his death, but they thought he was speaking about taking rest and sleep. Then Jesus said to them, plainly, Lazarus is dead, and I'm glad for your sakes that I was not there, that you may believe. Nevertheless, let us go to him. Youch. It's a good thing Martha and, and Mary and Lazarus didn't hear him say that. I'm glad I wasn't there. Dang, Jesus. So you let him die on purpose? But he was glad for their sakes. Why? Did y'all hear? Why he's glad for their sakes that he wasn't there? So they would believe. That's really what he's concerned about is with our hearts. What we're believing. What we're believing about him. What do we believe about him when we're experiencing pain? What if he doesn't come to the rescue right away? What if there will be suffering when you serve God? However, however it is he's calling you to serve. Here's the last one. It's just one statement by Thomas. Then Thomas said, who is called the twin, uh, let me see, did I skip it? Uh, yeah, yeah. Okay, then Thomas, who is called the twin, said to his fellow disciples, let us also go, that we may die with him. Now look, y'all read this story. You know nobody's going to die except for Lazarus. This admirable Thomas, have y'all seen the, the Patriot with Mel Gibson? Yeah. He's like this one dude who, who's going to risk his life for what he believes. That's Thomas. Here's the problem. God doesn't always reveal his plans fully to us. 
And sometimes we try to explain things that God hasn't yet explained. We try to put a plan in motion that God hasn't put in motion yet. You follow me? In a few chapters, Jesus is going to wash his disciples' feet. You'll get it, Scott. Hold on. In a few chapters, Jesus is going to sit down and wash his disciples' feet. And then he comes to Peter and Peter says, Lord, are you washing my feet? Jesus says, what I'm doing now, you don't understand yet. But you will. Just you don't understand right now. Peter didn't leave it at that. He said, oh no, you're not washing my feet. And what did Jesus say? If I don't wash your feet, you have no part with me. Peter is just digging himself deeper. He's like, okay, wash my hands and my head then. Jesus said, that's not necessary. You're already clean. Dang it. <laughs> Peter, I said you don't understand right now, but you will later. God doesn't always put out his whole plan before us so that we know everything in advance. Don't try to put your own plan in motion or speak on God's behalf when he hasn't told you something already, okay? Don't try to explain something God hasn't explained. Don't try to go in a direction yet that God hasn't necessarily set for you, okay? We have our own freedom and our own free will. That's another discussion, but that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying Thomas is putting a plan in motion that God never set in motion. Are you with me? Here is the common theme. I should have this verse memorized right now. I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? So this is our beginning. This is our life. This is where Jesus intersects our life when we place our faith in him. Just kind of, I like that diagram. It just kind of infiltrates our lives, intersects us. Some of us didn't even know what hit us when that happened. Once you're in him, you never die. Yes, your little old body will die, right? But it's not the end. If there's anything you take away tonight, and I'm going to go through it right now in just a second, is that it's not over. It's not the end. Close your eyes just real quick and just remember that little... Okay, you don't really have to close your eyes. Just remember that. As you leave here, the only thing I remember from Ross's message was it's not the end. Now let's go back and look at the situations one more time. Lazarus is suffering. He's sick. He's near his end in this little old body of his. Martha and Mary are scared, and so they send a messenger to Jesus saying, He whom you love is sick. Jesus delays so that he will die, so that people will see the glory of God. When you are in present tense suffering, 
What do you need to remember? What's the one thing you need to remember from Ross's message? It's not the end. Not when this happens. When Jesus intersects your life, now, nothing that you experience, present tense, is going to change this. It doesn't even matter if you die. It's not the end. Lazarus died. There's some people in this church whose family members have just died. If Jesus intersected their life like this when they placed their faith in him, guys, it's not sad news. Because for them, it's not the end. The next one, when the disciples heard that there was suffering, that there was might be suffering, they said, Jesus, we're not, we shouldn't really go back to Judea. I'm sure that's a great idea. They were trying to stone you. Not a good idea. When you're worried about future tense suffering, no matter what it is, he who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? I like how you said that. It's like to you. Do you believe this? Why don't you have to worry about future tense suffering? It's not the end. This already happened, guys. As far as I know. For most of you. Okay? It's already happened. It's already set in motion. You can't change it. This will happen, but don't worry about that. Because you're right here now. You follow me? And as far as serving God, there's 12 hours in the day, that little passage. We do have a certain amount of time here. Just consider that, okay? You don't know when this will happen. Don't be worried about it, because this has already happened. Can y'all see? Why don't you have to worry about future tense suffering? Thank you, Andrew. Come on, y'all can say it too, because it's not the end. Now one more. Thomas. Thomas and... God doesn't always set out his whole grand scheme of things before you. You don't always know what he has planned. And that's where Thomas was because he spoke too soon, prematurely. Let us all go that we may die with him. Thomas is right. We should surrender our lives in order to follow Christ. Peter is right when he didn't want Jesus to wash his feet because Jesus is not below us. He's king, right? They're right in a sense, but they're wrong when they try to explain something God has not explained yet. You're thinking now Ross is trying to think how he's going to tie this up. Seriously, my notes are like everywhere. That's it. That was, yeah, there was one more thing I wanted to share. 
Mary, we didn't dig into this part. Um, I mean, Martha, when uh, Jesus said, we didn't read this part. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said, I know he'll rise again in the resurrection at the last day. In the resurrection. The resurrection, like it's an event or a day. It is. It is. She's right, too. She's right. It is. It is an event. It will happen. Let me find that verse. I have it right here. Thessalonians something 16. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel and with the trumpet of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive, whoever's alive and remain, will be caught up with him, caught up together with him in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And thus we shall always be with the Lord. Always. Do that. Always. So it is an event. But Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. I love that he uses analogies. and Because and, I'm in like, I think in pictures, as you can see. Sometimes as Christians, we... Hold on to ideas just as that, just as ideas. But God, Jesus, is wanting for us to believe more than just ideas. You know what he's wanting us to believe? Him. Him. You don't come here to learn more concepts and ideas. You come here to remember Jesus, if I could make it real simple. And that's the message that Jesus is trying to get across to them and to us. We don't need to hold on to concepts and ideas. We need to hold on to him. He is the resurrection. If perhaps you die before he comes back and you're in your grave, it's not an event or a day that will raise you back up from the grave to give you a glorified body. It's Jesus that will raise you back up. You feel me? I am. Ah, you're looking at him. How many times did Jesus do that in different conversations he had with people? And they're just like, they're thinking philosophically about the concepts. And he's like, I'm right here. It's me. I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I am the gate. I am the lamb. But I'm also the shepherd. I am the resurrection and the life. What point do you think Jesus is trying to get across? I am the answer. You don't need a seminary degree. You just need him. You don't need to read your Bible more for him to love you. He's the answer. I'm just, I'm giving random examples of things that Christians try to do and they're holding on to an idea or a concept and they've really, they've lost touch with him, with Jesus himself. It's ironic. Sometimes we do religious activities like robots and we're not even with Jesus in all of our efforts. As children of God, we're no longer working for God's love. You don't have to do anything to earn it. You're already, look at it right here. It already happened. He did the work. 
The work is done. So let me try to wrap up a few things. If you're presently, present tense, enduring suffering, pain, heartache, affliction, tribulation, whatever you want to call it, you don't have to worry. I, I don't care how bad it is. You don't have to worry. Why, Andrew? Not the end. It's not the end. If you're worried about future, oh, what is the future hold for me? What's going to happen? If you're worried about the future, maybe how God is calling you to serve or what He's calling you to do, what you might have to endure if you follow him. Jesus, I don't know if that's a good idea. You really don't have to worry. Because even if you do endure whatever it is that you're afraid of, why don't you have to worry? Not the end. And then lastly, if God doesn't put forth his entire plan before you. Some of you are planners. I'm not a planner, as you can tell from my notes. Sorry, forgive me. Okay? Some of you are planners and you're really kind of demanding with God. Just be careful. Don't speak on his behalf. If he hasn't explained something, don't explain it for him. Hold on to Jesus. He's not an idea. Too often as Christians, we take the truths that God has shown us and we... Blech. It's like artificial sweetener. <laughs> it's like we've lost the real thing. There's one... John wrote his book. He said, so that you would believe. And believing isn't just a one-time decision that you made right here. It affects how you live. Here's what happened. Something. Did he bring that? Here's what happens sometimes. Right. Right. It's not like a perfect straight line. <laughs> and it's not like any of this determines whether or not you're going to be with him forever. That's already done. I'm just saying this is more like, and God's okay with that. Remember, Donnie? That message we heard? God's okay with his children not always getting it. He's okay with that. He's a good dad. Did y'all sing that this today? He's a good dad. You don't have to worry about anything because it's not the end. Hold on to Jesus, not ideas. Let's pray. Oh God, if anybody's more confused than anybody else, it's me here. Uh, just because I, um, 
I don't know, I try to try to look or sound religious sometimes, or uh, what else do I do? Oh, different stuff, and you're just like, really, Ross, you don't need to do that. Um, I pray that there would be nothing in this life that we would be so fearful of God that it just, what's that word when you become free? Somebody help me out. Frozen. De debilitated. Handicapped. Let's go. Anyways, God, I pray that nothing would stop us from following you and from trusting you that uh, whatever those fears are that we have, uh, that we would just put them in their true perspective, where they belong. All the work has already been done for us because of what you did. And when you intersected our lives, you uh, set a new life in motion. We don't have to be afraid of any of the uh, suffering or whatever it is we're afraid of because it's not the end. Amen.